in Italy, if you do that, it's really strange. Like you're not normal <laughs> because, because yeah, it's really weird in Italy, especially it's really weird. Hashtag pineapple on pizza is a crime. Hello and welcome to the Feeder Series podcast. We're a little later than our usual Wednesday releases, but you might have heard that there were one or two races in Kuwait over the last week or so uh, on unusual dates. And for some reason, the drivers wanted to drive cars instead of talking to the media on a podcast for an hour or so. But we persevered and we have a tremendous guest for you today. He was so excited to join us that he even went to the effort of recording his first ever Formula Regional wins in preparation for the appearance. I am delighted to welcome the Italian and ADAC F4 champion, Andrea Kimi Antonelli, to the show after a sensational few days. How are you today, Kimi? Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to join you today. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, to be honest, a bit tired after the two weekends uh, in Kuwait, but uh, yeah, and I will use this uh, couple of days to recover before going to Dubai. Well, speaking just after you have had those two rounds back to back, so we'll let you off if you're a little bit tired because it looks like it would be very exhausting. And also in joining me today is a familiar face to the podcast. First time on the Feeder Series podcast, however, not the F1 Feeder Series podcast. Is a man who defies the concept of time zones and time and clocks and is speaking to us at what time of the night is it? F3 editor and head of copy, Michael McClure? Well, the clock behind me would say it's uh, 1.40, but I haven't changed it since the time zone switch. So it's currently 12.38 uh, a.m. here in Chicago, um, which is usually my prime time for, for working on stuff and doing all the copy editing that I do. So happy to be here. Uh, both the earliest and the latest podcast I've ever recorded for us. So excited to see how it goes. Well, we're going across all the time zones at the moment. So we've got Middle East, USA, and I'm currently in Malaysia. So somebody had to struggle. I'm afraid it was you, Michael. But before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, or leave a rating or review if you're listening. You can leave a rating on Spotify and review us on Apple Podcasts. Our 50 or so episodes have a 4.9 star rating on Spotify and we're pushing to get 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. If you haven't rated or subscribed, please take the 10 seconds to do so. It really, really does help us get great guests like Kimmy. A little bit of housekeeping before we get started properly as well. While we're in the pre-season of Formula 2 and 3, the podcast schedule will be a little less regular than usual. Bear with us and we will be back to our regular programming in March. We've also uploaded a guide to the 2023 Red Bull Junior team up on our YouTube channel. So please do check that out and let us know what you think in the comments. And if you missed our first 2023 episode with Josh Dufek and Louis Delatraz, you won't know that we've also set up a short survey to shape the future of the podcast. Check the YouTube description or the podcast show notes for the link. As I say, every episode, the podcast is for you. So please make sure that your voice is heard by checking it out. We are going to close that survey pretty soon. So this really is the last chance to get your voice heard. And finally, if you haven't already, do check out Transfer Weekly, our second show on the channel, which keeps you up to date on all the driver announcements in the offseason, hosted by the excellent Chris McCarthy. 
let's get straight into things. There's still time, I guess, to look back on 2022 because we're not into the 2023 season properly yet. You've got two titles, you've got loads of silverware. How did that go compared to what you were hoping and expecting? Um, obviously, um, starting 2022 season, ended on high, on a high, especially Monza in the last race of the Italian Championship. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a new challenge uh, because there was the new car, F4 car. Uh, they introduced that and with the halo. And also the design was a bit different, so we had to adapt to the new car. Uh, but I think with the team, especially in the first two rounds of UAE, we did a good job and also on finding the, the limit of the car. And I think we'll set that up quite well. And um, and then, yeah, I mean, during the Italian championship, um, the first round was not the best, to be honest. It um, was uh, quite a disaster weekend. But uh, I think after that, we, we did everything really well. We, we, we started winning. We started to be really consistent. And then uh, by midpoint mid of the season, we, we took the lead of the championship, which was a good achievement for me. And, um, and then, yeah, um, also we were doing the, not only the Italian F4, but we were doing also the ADAC uh, F4 championship. And also that was going really well. Um, so yeah, going into the summer break, obviously I was really happy, um, but I knew uh, the job was not done. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, then in the last part of the season, um, in the Italian championship, in especially in Spielberg and Monza, they weren't the ideal weekends uh, because uh, I did also a few mistakes by my side and also in Monza in race one, um, in T1 I had a crash. So they didn't go as expected, but uh, then in uh, in Mugello we bounced back and uh, um, and yeah we we brought I won the championship and also in Nurburgring uh, the week before the Mugello uh, I managed to to bring home the championship and uh, was really tight uh, ADC because uh, um, obviously I missed one race uh, one round which was in Lausitring and that allowed the uh, the opponent to to get really close uh, so. That makes uh, life a bit tougher uh, because it was really tight on championship. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the end, we still managed to bring home uh, the two championships. It was quite the season, Kimmy. And I'd say you've started 2023 in the same consistent way, it seems. So six races at the same track. How much did you learn from the first test when you got to Kuwait to the last race? Obviously, the last three races were pretty damn impressive for you. Um, yeah, I learned a lot. Um, obviously, it was a new track, a new challenge for everyone. Um, track was quite technical. It's quite technical, actually. Um, and yeah, since uh, the first practice, I tried to learn uh, a lot, tried to find a limit immediately. And then every every race, every practice uh, was trying to, to improve a little bit uh, in, every, in every point I was missing. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, what I learned the most is um, also how to overtake, uh, this, the best spot to overtake. Um, so, yeah, I mean, see, in these six races, um, I learned a lot, um, especially in race-wise, uh, how, to, to, how to defend and how to overtake and without uh, losing too much time. Can I ask, this is just kind of just what chain of thought I've got here. Do you think about 
been like the first people to be racing on such a new track in like formula cars is that something that's on your mind that you are you are basically the guinea pigs trying to do this and how do you cope with that because there's there's not really anything to base your knowledge off yeah i mean um in that track uh oli gt uh, raced before so obviously it was a new challenge also for formulas um I mean, um, it's a track that uh, for me fits really well for formulas. It's, uh, mm. it's really fun, uh, really technical, and and it's safe at the same time. So um, I really enjoyed driving it. I've enjoyed watching it, Michael. I know you've watched pretty much every lap of racing in the UAE that's happened so far. And there's been a lot of laps, but what are your takeaways um, from the championships, and what's your big takeaway from? Kuwait as a as a racing venue from the Kuwait Motor Town itself, because from my side, it's like a mix of Istanbul Park, Yas Marina, and Dubai, but the best bits of them all, it seems to me. I was very pleasantly surprised by it. That turn 12 to 16 sequence with that like never-ending five right-handers in a row. It just seems so incredible to drive. I mean, I'm, I'm jealous of everyone who gets to do it. I'm jealous of even turn five and six, that big, long left-hander. It seems like a ton of fun. Um, and you know what even surprised me was the amount of overtaking. Everyone says, you know, Formula Regional, you can't overtake. You look at a Freco race, you watch a Freco race, and sometimes it's, you know, follow the leader around for 30 minutes. And then we've got here, Nick Bora overtakes three cars into one corner. So it's really, it just shows, I mean, this package is obviously different. The tires are obviously different, um, but it, it shows, you know, that first of all, the quality of the field to have that and the differences experiences from someone who's going to race in F2 next year, all the way down to rookie stepping up from F4, even Carol Smile just doing his first regional race this weekend. So um, it was a super interesting race to watch, super interesting weekend in general. Um, and you just knew from the outside of the championship when you had Gabriela Mini and Dino Baganovic together on that start-finish straight battling, you just knew then that this was going to be a great season. Has it always been fantastic? No, there's been a lot of times we've had safety cars. Obviously, the massive accident um, last weekend was a, a big downer um, to lose so many cars in that. And also just, you know, to have it in the first place, is it, it's not great to see any sort of incident of that scale. But um, when we have had action, it's been really entertaining. And I think there's you often also don't see the regional cars go around these kind of more, you know, the Asian tracks. You haven't seen it so much. Um, these Tilka circuits don't get a lot of attention from these cars, um, given that Freca mainly races in Europe. But we're seeing that they are adapted well. And as much as you may want to slight these kind of circuits, they do provide a lot of overtaking opportunities. And I think you can see that really clearly. Other moments that stood out for me, Joshua Dirksen's pole position on debut. That What, what a moment that was. I mean, it was it was incredible, and well, poor Josh Dirksen getting mixed up with Dufek a couple of times, and and vice versa. But but that, and obviously the triple overtakes, Barnard's charge through the field, Kimi's charge from tenth to first. I mean, you really have it everything in this series, and people who you may not expect to be on the podium getting it. Um, Villa Gomez taking a podium, for example, maybe not a name we thought would end up there, but I mean, what a boost it is for him to get that front-running opportunity for Flusha to get on the podium as well. So you're seeing a lot of a lot of drivers who you might not expect are really coming to the fore in this just because of the mix of conditions and tires and and the obviously the way the circuit is set up. It's it's really a land of opportunity and I'm super excited for what happens the last two races. What a great way to describe it, land of opportunity. And the opportunity came for Kimi. That first win was quite something. First win in Formula Regional specify. You've got quite a few wins under your belt already. But Unusual weather, sand on track, the rare lack of safety car in the opening laps, fighting with Kamara and Boyer, and then at the end of it all, race win number one. What a way to take your first regional win. How was it from the cockpit? 
Yeah, it was uh, it was really special. Um, the first win is always special, especially in the new category. Um, I mean, starting from P4, um, I knew I could have fight for for the front. Um, qualifying didn't go as expected. Uh, we struggled a bit with the car balance, but uh, we knew the race pace would, would have been strong. And starting from P4, uh, already in T2, I moved up to to P2, um, and then at that point, I had uh, more pace than Boya, and. Yeah, I mean, I was able to chase him because even though I was losing a bit in the fast section, I was able to keep up with him in the in the last sector and also was using the slipstream. And then at one point he did a mistake in the last sector and uh, I made the move on him. And um, and yeah, then then there was the safety car, so obviously everything reset. And the restart wasn't the easiest, obviously. I had to defend, uh, but they still managed to to keep the lead and yet then to bring home the, the win and it was really special. Conditions were not easy because uh, just before the race, we had a sandstorm and then um, and then the wind was really hard, uh, was really strong. So uh, sand was keep, kept coming on track and that makes the, the track really slippery, uh, especially offline. And um, But yeah, I mean, uh, first win and uh, was really special. It was, uh, it was amazing. I guess you're not used to seeing sandstorms when you're going around Imola and the Red Bull ring, are you? It's a little yeah. bit different. Well, it's really weird because obviously you're used um, to see cars spraying maybe water in wet <laughs> condition, but this time we were spraying sand and it was really, was really weird. Uh, also, like was the visibility was really bad behind cars because uh, all the sand was getting into the visor and uh, oh. uh, yeah, it was really, was really hard to see by following, but... Uh, yeah, it was uh, was really strange condition. What was the grip like on was it second race with the wind on the they had a tailwind into the last corner or something? Because so many cars were going off. Um, this is a um, Grand Prix I'm talking about. Um, the the yeah, I mean the fact is that um, the night before it rained, so obviously clean all the rubber that was standing on track. So it was really different. It was really slippery. Sorry, uh, like it was like driving on ice uh, with uh, with like tires. Um, then the wind obviously changed. Um, at the start of the weekend, we had the tailwind going into T2, so for all the straight, but we had headwind going into the last corner. Mm-hmm. While in in the race two, in the last day, we had the headwind, uh, so the wind changed completely. We had headwind going into T2 and tailwind going into T3. And but the main difficulties was like the track was really green because there was no rubber to the rain um so and plus the the tailwind going into the last corner so it was really hard to to manage with the grip and uh and yeah was uh um was really tough like especially the safety car restart uh um seeing all the cars going straight into the last corner was uh uh was really weird and um but yeah i mean it was a fun race and, it was uh, fun to. It was so fun to watch. All this, all the last few races have just been so so good to uh, watch. Was uh was really was really fun and um, and tricky as well. Well, I can imagine if you're tricky and you still win and you're you're doing something right. Michael, finally, before we get to the audience questions, wasn't just a regional racing. There was also Formula Four. Anything you think we should particularly highlight from the F4 UAE racing this uh, this last couple of weeks? Well, I think a lot of the expected names are up front. Ubachuku, Wharton, Taponen, Lindblad, and obviously race one in first round. But some names that we maybe didn't 
think would be necessarily as high up in the championships have really made their way up there. And Valeria Vinicella comes to mind. He was great in his rookie season last year and in, in, in a F4, but he's someone who's not won, but has just been a fixture up at the front, um, has taken pole position. Um, James Wharton has taken a couple of pole positions as well. But we're also seeing, you know, bad luck strikes sometimes. Um, people who are doing well get in accidents who go and, and took a tap and got in an accident in, in race three yesterday, how disappointing that was for them. And obviously look at who was able to take opportunity was people like Renicello who've just been consistent all year. So um, it's been, you know, I think classic F4 in a lot of ways. Um, you just have to survive the races and, and stay in there. There's so much action. There's 38, 39 cars. I mean, really numbers that I think outside of Italian F4 last year are unheard of. Um, so it's it's quite a staggeringly large grid. Um, so other names that you know we haven't maybe talked about as much. Um, Brando Badoer did great in his first round. Um, Valentin Plus has scored points in seven of the nine races. Someone that hasn't gotten as much of a spotlight, but been doing really really well for PHM. Um, even Theophil Nile for uh, for Centalock has scored in, in most of the races as well. So some great names there. Obviously, I think the the front four right now are going to be the main title contenders, and it'll be really nice to see what happens in the final four races as they as they come back to Dubai and obviously to Yas Marina um, to fight for that championship. Let's get into the audience questions now because. The Feeder Series podcast is for you, viewers and listeners. So we're going to move on to the hashtag AskFS part of the podcast. If this is your first time watching or listening, you can get involved by using the hashtag AskFS on Twitter, joining our Discord and using the podcast questions channel, commenting on our YouTube videos, or by keeping an eye out for our Instagram posts and stories. Michael, there's a question from Tom Evans, if you'd be able to start us off here with question number one. Yeah, absolutely. So Tom Evans, who's a British F4 editor, asks, how do you deal with the pressure of successfully combining racing around Europe and not the Middle East and also school? Um, it's really it's tough, um, especially combining with school. Um, I'm doing normal school, uh, so uh, it's hard. Um, also, to deal with pressure is not easy. Uh, I have to say in the past, uh, especially when I started racing, I was suffering this kind of pressure. Um so yeah, I was making a lot of mistakes, but uh, with experience, uh, racing every time, uh, I was gaining more and more confidence and also the pressure was feeling less and less. I'm still working on this side because there's a few times where I still feel the pressure and do mistakes. So I'm still working on it. And, uh, but yeah, I think um, the moment I'm dealing quite well, but uh, there's still uh, room to improve. And while with school and racing is, um, yeah, it's it's quite tough. I mean, um, during race week and especially in this period that uh, I'm staying alone, alone for a long time in UAE. Mm. Um, every time I have a free free day, I'm I'm studying, uh, just to keep up with the work that I lost uh, during the the racing day. So, um, yeah, I think it's hard, but uh, at the moment I'm, it's still manageable. And uh, yeah, when you say you're making mistakes, is that gen generally meaning on the racetrack or homework? Yes. On the on the racetrack, on the racetrack. Homework, homework. You are a star pupil, properly, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ask your teachers and find out the real story. But no, I can't, I can't imagine trying to do both things at the same time. It's uh, school was difficult enough, let alone having to go and race a thousand times a year. How how many championships you've been doing? Um, the next question is from Chris McCarthy. Somebody's going to be talking a lot about you this year chris mccarthy 32 on twitter also known as the frecker commentator and of course transfer weekly host the other show on this youtube channel if you're watching 
He wants to know, how is Kimi looking forward to using Frecker's push to pass this season? Has he tried it out yet? And if you have tried it out, and I guess if you haven't as well, what do you think of it? Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, push to pass, we don't have it here in the UAE. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be something new uh, going into European Championship. Uh, luckily, I haven't tried yet um because i did a only few days of testing due to my injury so i wasn't able to to try it uh but uh yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting to use and uh i'm i'm looking forward to to use it and see how it works just a question on that injury how is it going by the way because obviously we need to talk about your wrist was your wrist sprained broken what was it yeah the the wrist uh i had an injury to the wrist but uh now i feel good i i fully recover from it you should have said it's still broken and you're just winning races in the former <laughs> regional with, with another injury no i'm glad you're i'm glad you're getting better michael please take us away with the next question yeah so ms34 supremacy i wonder which driver this is about it's martini sandshorn for anyone watching via discord would like to know what is kuwait motor town like to drive in formula regional machinery um i think it's a it's an amazing track um i mean the track is super technical. Uh, we have high speed corners, we have slow speed corners. And I think with the regional that you, you start to, to have some load of tempers on the car, uh, in high speed is really nice to drive. Uh, like, as you said before, we have uh, from T12 to T16, uh, we have all those right-handers super fast. And it's just an amazing feeling uh, to drive uh, with the car. And um, and yeah, I mean it's a really high speed track, and and it's it's amazing, especially in qualifying when you have a low fuel new tire. It's just an amazing feeling, and to to put the lap together and get it right is 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 really good. It's a great feeling. How do you think it would compare? Uh, you can't do because you've not done it. But how do you think it would compare racing on the same track in the Formula Four machinery versus the Formula Regional? You're talking about just the downforce differences, for example. Um, I mean, I've been looking at some onboards uh, during the weekend of the F4, and yeah, the track looks fun. Uh, obviously, in high speed, you cannot carry the same amount of speed as mm. regional because you don't have the same load of downforce. But uh, also, in the F4 looks looks really fun to drive. Also, speaking to the driver, they really enjoy the track, and also for racing, I think the track is really good. Uh, also for regional because. Uh, as you said, uh, in regional, it's really hard to pass. But uh, with the long straight, uh, it's, uh, it was it was giving you the chance to to battle and to make moves. So um, I think on both sides, to drive and also to race, uh, the track is really good. Also to watch, I will, I'll confirm that. It's been terrific to watch. The next question is from uh, Yasmin Weston. Yas Weston on, our, on Twitter, our, also our social media head. She wants to know, what is it like? I'm really interested to see how you answer this. What is it like living rent-free in every other feeder series driver's head? Obviously, you are pretty well respected in the feeder series world. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. Um, to be honest, uh, um, I'm, to be honest I, I don't really think about it. I just think on doing my best and uh, get the best result. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, I don't really want to think about because I just want to focus on my job and get the best result. And yeah, that's it. Very professional. You're uh, Lewis Hamilton, George Russell vibes. Perfect. So the team kit. By the way, if anyone is not watching the podcast and is listening, 
Kimmy's dressed fully as a Mercedes driver. He knows where he wants to be and he looks apart. So the answer I expected, Kimmy, um, I have to say as well, somebody I spoke to, a racer I spoke to, they were using you as like, oh, I was racing and then Kimmy was next to me. So I know he's doing quite well. So you are already viewed as quite a good um, milestone for, for how people are doing. So keep that up. You're doing terrific. A very difficult question now from Michael for your next question. And again, very interested to see what you're going to say. Yeah. So Venus on Discord would like to know, Kimmy, what is your favorite Italian word? Ah. Uh... This is a really tough question. I don't uh, know where they think of these questions. My favorite Italian word, the, um, the one I like to say the most. Um, it's, uh, it's really tough. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, I'm a kind of like, I really, I'm, I'm a kind of sick of motorsport. Like, I mean, in a good way, obviously. I always speak about motorsport. And yeah, my my favorite word is uh, is um, obviously motorsport is the same as uh, English. Uh, I always speak about it, motorsport. Uh, Michael, what's your favorite English word? You know, as someone who edits words professionally, I should probably know this. My favorite English word is one that's used correctly, um, especially <laughs> a rare word that's used correctly. Um, so I guess we could say, you know, serendipitous probably fits. Mm. Um, something that, you know, you might not expect to work, but it does. Um, and it, it works out great. So I'll pick that. And how do you spell that? S-E-R-E-N-D-I-P-I-T-O-U-S. I bet I could have gotten that right. Very well done. I was just testing you, but that was, uh, well, very, very well done. It'll be super califragilisticexpialidocious that I'm going to ask you to spell next. And I got that right first time. Um, Another question, very difficult, very, very difficult, especially uh, with some of the driver's answers we've had on the podcast recently, from Ashley via Discord. Kimmy, what is your favorite cheese? My favorite cheese, um, Italian cheese, Parmigiano-Reggiano. Look at that. We've had French drivers coming on who have no answer straight. We had Theo Porcher say so he, doesn't, he doesn't like cheese, which I'm sure he's lost half of the fan base now, but you... <laughs> Boom, straight answer. Yeah, I I really I really like it. Um at home I eat very often and uh I don't really put it on pasta, for example, but uh, I like eating maybe in a sandwich or by its own because yeah, I really like the, the taste of it. I can't believe you don't put on pasta though. That's uh that's quite a shock for me, but I can understand <laughs> putting on a sandwich and stuff. Michael, favorite cheeses? Well, sure you've asked the question. Have you been have you answered the question? Um, I should probably have stayed muted for this one. I also don't like cheese. <laughs> oh, God, this is the last <laughs> podcast you're coming on. I know. I confessed this in the Discord the other week. Um, the story was I was watching from the original Oceania on my phone while checking out from Trader Joe's because um, I didn't want to miss it. And I was and I accidentally almost shoplifted cheese, um, which I forgot was in my, my basket. Um, and it wasn't even my cheese. It was for some people I was having over um, wanted to have cheese. But I used to be allergic to dairy and was for 13 years. So I just never, I could never eat it and then just never develop the taste. So I know it's very disappointing, but yeah. yeah well, I'm sure if, if, if Kimmy can forgive you, I'm sure everybody uh, watching and listening can also forgive you. Uh, it's a, just so you know, Kimmy, this is a question that comes in very often and the answers vary greatly. Um, this is also a very and popular I have a question. question. Do you like cheese? Me? Yes. I'll tell you something, this, 
This is a question which I'm always scared to answer because I love cheese. I love it. But oh. I stopped eating meat and dairy a few years ago. And although you get a lot of good meat substitutes, the cheese substitutes just aren't quite as good. There's nothing like a proper good cheese yet that's a, that's a replacement sort of thing. But back when I did eat cheese regularly, I loved blue cheese. Like Blue cheese was just the best. I, I absolutely adored it. So... They can have decent cheddar replacements, but blue cheese, I haven't, I haven't done it. But I, I like you being an interviewer um, because these questions that you get on this podcast, these are the sort of questions that are very important to ask. Michael's got a great example next up as well, please, Michael. Yeah, a joint question asked again by Tom Evans, who I believe created this question, and also Dom via Discord. Um, what is the color of your toothbrush? My <laughs> color. <laughs> The my color of the toothbrush is um red and white. Oh red, 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 uh, red, white, and blue. You glad you put the blue in there because you'd have some people theorizing about Ferrari. In, uh, in, in Italy, there are some toothbrush that uh, has that those three colors. I'm amazed. So it sounds like an American toothbrush or something. Not British, I suppose. It's uh, red, white, and blue. Acrofresh boy. Like, a, like the old but Williams livery. It, it looks really cool. Looks really cool. And now for the final question and sticking on the food ideas or back to the food sort of question. This one is from Coldplay McPinfan by Discord. Have you ever knowingly driven alongside somebody who willingly puts pizza on a puts pizza, puts pineapple on a pizza? No, uh, not yet. Um, obviously, um, from from F four, um, I had a few teammates that uh, I was thinking maybe they they put pineapple on pizza, something that in Italy you never do. Like in Italy, if you do that, it's really strange. Like you're not normal <laughs> because. Because yeah, it's really weird in Italy, especially. It's really weird to put fruit on on pizza. Usually, put uh, uh, meat or uh, or you take just a normal pizza. But um, going back from last year, I had a few teammates that uh, maybe I was thinking maybe they put pineapple on pizza. But uh, talking to them, they don't do that. Luckily, why and, did you uh, think they did? Um, because obviously, I mean. Um, one of them, uh, I mean, he sometimes uh, ate some strange food. Um, and I said, maybe he likes pineapple on pizza. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, then talking to him, he said, they, he don't do that. And yeah. So I'm looking for your teammates and I'm wondering never, who it is. Uh, at the moment, I, I never raised someone who puts uh, pineapple on pizza. You've never been a teammate. You might have raced against them, but they weren't your teammate. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to be honest, Kimi. I, I I love pineapple on a pizza. If I was in Italy, I wouldn't dream yeah. of doing it. But have you have you ever tried? No, and I will never try. <laughs> Good. No, maybe maybe once, maybe one slice of pizza with pineapple on it. Maybe. Okay. Well, hopefully I'll get to a Freca race this year. And if I do, we'll go and get a pineapple pizza. Okay. Although we probably can't do that in Italy because we won't be able to get served. We'll be banned from the restaurant, but we'll that, try that's our a best. Deal. No, it's better if we don't do it in Italy because they will probably look at us like, why? Why do you want pineapple on pizza? Maybe if we do maybe in, in, uh, in other countries. 
Yeah, where where we won't get extradited from the country. Michael, do you our... do you like uh, do you like pineapple on pizza? No, absolutely. Have you tried, Michael? No, and I won't. <laughs> You're in Chicago. I mean, this is like second pizza home. You should be trying all sorts. I know, but I, I have morals. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I feel like a victim now from one having to admit it and also then Michael making making me sound, well, had Kimmy say that it's not normal and now I've said that I'm an immoral person. So on that note, I don't think we can recover on this particular episode of the podcast. So that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you to everybody for watching and listening. Make sure that you check out the survey in the YouTube description or the podcast show notes. We want to make sure that the podcast is the best it can be. If you'd like to have your question asked on a future episode, use the hashtag AskFS on Twitter. Drop any questions below if you're watching on YouTube. You can respond to our Instagram stories or posts or let us know what questions you have on your mind on our Discord. Look for the podcast questions channel. If you are watching on YouTube, dropping a like on the video, leaving a comment and subscribing to the channel all really helps us out. Also, just put a comment in there and just let us know if pineapple on a pizza is a crime or not, because I think it's <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> Team Kimmy, Team Jim. Um, and if you are listening, leaving a review on the podcast platform you're listening on is greatly appreciated. Finally, check out feederseries.net for more Feeder Series insights and follow feeder underscore series FS Americas and Feeder Series Now on Twitter. You can find the links to all of that, plus the Twitter accounts for myself and everyone else on the podcast in the YouTube description or podcast show notes. Until next time, we have been the Pineapple on Pizza supporting Feeder Series podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> Hashtag pineapple on pizza is a crime. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>